0: Hey, happy Monday from the Mike Broomhead Show. It's Super Bowl week. We're going to be out at Super Bowl this week, a couple of days, of broadcasting from Radio Row in downtown Phoenix. It should be interesting. Looking forward to bringing you some guests as they're in town for this, for the event. Hopefully we'll get some, some big name players and some people associated that you know. Uh, but keep it locked here on KTAR. And of course, Arizona Sports, our brother station over there is going to be out there as well. It Should be very, very cool. Um, the BLM founder, Called out Biden, Buttigieg, and the entire administration for refusing to defund the police. Now I don't know why you would be mad at Buttigieg. He's the transportation secretary. I don't know what he has to do with defunding the police. But um, the Black Lives Matter founder Patrice Color colors I'm sorry um, called it deep cowardice. Um, She said that it's failure of leadership and deep cowardice that explained why officials all the way from the local government to the president himself were allowing money to continue to go to law enforcement. Again, I will tell you, I may have disagreed with Black Lives Matter and the protests and what they wanted uh, as far as defunding the police. But I agree that communities should feel safe and they should feel as if they're being treated equally. What I mean by that is whether it's perception or reality. Reality is – or perception is reality to many people, that there needed to be a better perception of law enforcement in the community. When I was a kid, I thought that and I still believe that – um, um School resource officers are a great way to build rapport with younger people where students can see, young people can see police officers, sheriff's deputies, whatever it is, in a different light than they do when they're just arresting people and fighting crime. And policing is such a difficult job anyway that there is a time when they have to do their job and that they are on high alert while doing that job. And it doesn't allow for, necessarily, for kindness to lead the way. And when you, if you get pulled over to traffic stop, the way you behave, whether you know it or not, your behavior generally dictates an officer's attitude or a trooper or a deputy's attitude. And they're going to be a little bit more abrasive and on edge at the beginning of a traffic stop until they're fairly confident in who they're dealing with. It's self-preservation. And I say traffic stop because that's usually the most interaction that someone will have with an officer or a deputy or a trooper is during a traffic stop. But the idea that we are going to get the communities we want and the police departments that we want and the safe streets that we want by defunding the police has been proven so wrong in so many cities. It's just not true. And yet – They continue to say, and I'm saying Black Lives Matter. She's left the organization. She got in a bunch of money trouble, and there's questions about how she spent money. But the issue is, we all want the same thing. But your plan to get there is one of is one of punishment. I think retribution more than it is solving a problem. Um. Here are a couple of different let me give you a couple of examples of what I think the problems really are. This is uh, from the Blaze.com and th- this is the uh, Glenn Beck's website. Video Prostitutes solicit sex right outside of a Catholic elementary school. Police are handcuffed after California passed a law to protect transgender sex workers. Part of the issue is when you create these laws that protect these kinds of things, the unintended consequences. I don't care if you're transgender, if you're a prostitute. And you are prostituting in front of an elementary school. You shouldn't be allowed to. We have sex offender registry laws when sex offenders are are released from prison after they've, you know, after they've finished their sentence. Many times they have to stay a registered sex offender, maybe for the rest of their life, but certainly for a defined period of time. And when you're a registered sex offender, people that live in your neighborhood are usually notified, depending on the level of sex offender you are, and some of them by mail, but it's on websites. And I will say to people, uh, I'll say it again, like I've always said when I talk about this, if you go to – if you just go to any search engine and you type in sex sex offender registry – There are multiple sites that are free sites for you to go on, and you can put in your zip code, and I don't care what zip code you live in. You are going to be very surprised at the number of sex offenders that are living in your neighborhood. Um, But what is interesting about this is we have rules that there are sex offenders that can't live within a certain distance from schools. They're not allowed to be around schools. They're not allowed to be around places where children congregate. Now, Do I think that a transgender prostitute is a child predator? No, I don't. But does anybody out there think it's appropriate to see this action going on outside of a school? There are distances that liquor stores are built from schools. There are other industries, whether it's strip clubs or otherwise, that have to be built a certain distance from a school. Because we don't want young children exposed to some of those things. It's not saying that the prostitutes are going to be going after children. It's saying children shouldn't be exposed to this. And yet the laws in California are stopping cops from making arrests. And this is, again, is, they know that this is protecting them. Here's another one. A store clerk fatally shoots a robber who shot him in the back. This happened in Connecticut. And this uh, – around 1030 at night, a robbery happened, and the robber shot the um, the clerk in the back. And the clerk was able to return fire with his own gun and shoot and kill the suspect. More and more people are being forced to take the law into their own hands, which is not what we wanted. Uh, homicides declined in major cities last year, re- reversing pandemic rise, which is, a, which is great news. But this – This is something, if we're really, if we are really committed as a society to saying we want safer streets and we want better relationships between police and the communities they patrol, then we have to do what's actually right to make that happen. And the idea that a smaller police department or departments is the answer to that is absolutely false. It is not even close to being true. The defund the police movement is not going to make communities safer. It will have an adverse effect, not just in your community, the ones you are trying to make better, but the community as a whole. We have the Super Bowl here in the Phoenix Police Department, dramatically understaffed. Me so much overtime with officers trying to make sure they assist in keeping the Super Bowl experience safe and all the events in downtown Phoenix while patrolling the city. It's something we have to keep in mind. What we're going to do in a moment is... uh, The Republican Party complains about overspending of the government, and then they use earmarks like crazy. Is it hypocrisy in the Republican Party? We're going to talk about this story coming up in just a moment. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Alright, this is the frustrating thing about politics for me. Um, as uh, you've figured out if you've listened to the show for any length of time, I am certainly a Republican. I am uh, a conservative Republican, especially fiscally. I'm more of a social libertarian, meaning I've got my own set of values and beliefs, but the government gets way too involved in what's in your nightstand sometimes. And the older I get, the more I think they should focus on the fiscal stuff, be fiscally responsible and do those things and and let morality be handled by families. But again, I digress. This is frustrating to me because my attraction to the Republican Party came as a young person. Um, I was right in the middle of Ronald Reagan's uh, presidency as I became an adult. I was just a few months too young to, to – uh, a little less than a year too young to vote for him uh, in the 1984 election. I didn't turn 18 until 19. 19- 1985 but Ronald Reagan was conservatism and and whatever that meant at the time it didn't matter to me but the patriotism and the economy and the things that were going on in my years of starting in my career 1985 starting as an electrician and just watching the economy soar and so you know whether you agree with me or not I'm just telling you where I stand politically And then I see something like this, and this is what kind of gets me because I also want to make sure that we all call out our own side of the aisle sometimes when they're doing things that go contrary to what what we believe. Um, the headline from the New York Times as GOP rails against federal spending its appetite for earmarks grows. Now earmarks are those things that are added onto a bill most of the time they have nothing to do with the bill that's there but it's a way to get something passed without having to run a new bill but there's largely not a lot of oversight in this money Republicans used to be against these earmarks because it really escalates the non-discretionary spending in the budget and the no oversight things of that nature. Well they use a couple of people as examples here and let me give just one to you. In 2020, Representative Don Bacon, a Republican from Nebraska, told C-SPAN that his constituents were not in favor of earmarks, and so he wasn't either. Two years later, he earmarked a total of $37.9 million in two separate spending bills for projects in his districts. When House Republicans voted to place their own moratorium on earmarks in 2010, Representative Ken Ken Calvert, Republican of California, said the decision was a statement to the Americans that House Republicans are ready to lead the fight for lower spending, more transparency, Transparency and responsibility in Washington. In 2022, he secured $56.1 million in earmarks. Compared to spending legislation in March, the number of earmarks in December bills rose more than 2,200, costing seven billion dollars more. Um, with Democrats outspending Republicans by 2.3 billion, Republican members secured 85 percent more in spending for pet projects in the latest funding package than in previous ones. Whereas Democrats increased was 70 percent. So now you've got the backstory. This is where if you are going to stand for something, you stand for it. This is where I look at my party and I say, we have a fight on our hands. We have always been at war, politically speaking, with Democrats and how money should be spent. And we have always been the champions for smaller government and lower spending. But now what you have to factor in is the displeasure that the American electorate has with both political parties. There are some that believe it's just one big party, that there really is no major difference between Democrats and Republicans, which I hope isn't true for both parties. Both parties should be able to maintain um, their autonomy and so that you know exactly what they stand for when you join their party or you fight against something they believe in. But there also is this huge number of people that are saying that we are still engaged in the American process. We still believe that we should vote, that we should have a voice and that you shouldn't be a part. You shouldn't consider yourself a part of the solution unless you vote. Keep your opinions to yourself unless you're doing something about it by getting involved, supporting candidates with your money, your talent and your time and going to the polls and being an informed voter. And those people in the largest numbers are registering as independents, first time voters and people switching parties for these very reasons. So, you're going to hear me if you listen to the show for any length of time. You'll hear me go after the other side of the political aisle when I disagree with what they're doing and I'm disagreeing with the direction that the country's going because of their policies. And I think that's part of what my job is. But in good conscience, I can't sit here and ignore a story like this. We are supposed to be different. And if you say, well, everybody's doing it, this is also the way people get reelected. And which is fine. I understand your job is to get reelected. At the House of Representatives, there's one year you're raising money and the next year you're running for reelection. It's a two-year cycle in the House and you're always either raising money or running. I get it. And I understand that it's tough out there. And a lot of times these pet projects get you reelected. And sometimes these projects are really valuable and good for your district. I'm not saying that all of these things are, not aren't good on either side of the aisle, but run them the way they're supposed to be run. As Republicans, if you are going to go after the other side of the aisle and they're overspending, you have to be a part of the solution to overspending. And we just aren't. We just aren't. So I am reaching out to some of my uh, elected members of the caucus to House of Representatives and I'm reaching out to them this week to ask them about these earmarks. I want to ask real questions about the earmarks. I want to know if they're, they themselves are using them and why and what they believe about them. This should be an interesting conversation. In a moment, climate change and doomsday predictions. There are more that have just come out, and it's not good for Miami. We'll talk about it next. You know, the, the old saying says the more things change, the more they stay the same. And I believe that to be true. Uh, you look at college campuses and I laugh at uh, and I laugh. I mean, at young people, I'm happy that they're active and that they're activists. You know, a lot of kids uh, and I still call them kids with all due respect, these young adults, activism on college campuses. They are doing the exact same thing that their grandparents and probably their great grandparents did. They just don't realize it. You are not reinventing the wheel. I promise you go back and talk to older people. And they will talk about their days fighting the same fights. You know, remember when you were in high school and you discovered who Nostradamus was and you thought you had just discovered the key to the future? And then you realize when you get older that somehow every kid when they're 14 figures out this stuff and you're told about Nostradamus. The more things uh, change, the more they stay the same. Here is a headline. Miami should begin preparing for evacuation. Due to climate change, according to a Berkeley professor, uh, Daniel Aldana Cohen argued that it would help force municipalities across the country to get serious about climate change, that they believe Miami is going to be underwater. So I looked at this and I thought, hmm, what climate change means for Florida's future? This is uh, from the end of November, how climate change is affecting Florida. Now, I want to take you back because I'm not making fun of anyone. I'm just old. And I just know I've seen this. I've seen this all before Um, in the 1970s. It's like I was in the disaster areas my whole life in the 1970s. When I was a little boy, the stories were. Of the coming ice age. Um, I've got a thing in front of me that says 50 years of predictions that the climate apocalypse is nigh. It goes back to the 1970s, the global freeze. And we all were terrified because it was – there were some cold winters, man. The blizzards that would hit uh, Buffalo, New York and come down the Erie Canal and hammer Cleveland, Ohio. I lived up in farm country in northeast Ohio in a little town called Newberry in Geauga County. And it was uh, snow fences and snow drifts as high as your windows and people were – we were terrified. Then I moved. My parents said, hey, listen, let's get out of this. And in the late 1970s, they said, let's go to Florida. We like Florida for vacation. Let's move to Florida just in time for the 1980s, where we were told that we were going to burst into flames because we burned a hole in the ozone. And because of fluorocarbons in uh, aerosol cans, we were going to all burst into flames. And now it went from global cooling in the 70s to global warming in the 80s. And we were told then that the icebergs are melting at a rapid rate, and Florida was going to be underwater, and there would be beaches in Georgia. That was what we were finding out, and uh, that's what we were told. And not that everybody believed it or disbelieved it, but that was the climate change as it evolved because first it was global cooling. Then it was global warming, and now everything bad that happens with the weather is just climate change. Just climate change. So hurricanes, climate change. Tornadoes, climate change. Uh, Really bad winter storms, really bad summer storms, climate change. Um, So I printed out a couple of things um, that uh, this goes back from April of last year. Eighteen spectacularly wrong predictions were made around this time of the first Earth Day in 1970, and it goes through. A ton of predictions that were wrong. Um, I think that these are well-intentioned people most of the time, but they haven't been right about a lot. And to say that Miami is going to be underwater is something that we've been hearing forever. I will tell you that I don't take people that are saying man-made climate change is so bad we have to change all of our laws and all of our rules because they don't believe it themselves. And you know how I don't know they don't believe it? They don't do it themselves. They don't do it themselves. Have you ever gone to someone – now, listen, I've worked with personal trainers before, one in particular, my buddy Mitch. uh, I worked with him for such a long time, and Mitch is a little bit older than me, almost 10 years. He's in his early 60s, and Mitch is still in the same great shape he was in, in my opinion, from what I've seen of his pictures, when he was in his 30s. I mean an amazing physique. That's the kind of trainer you're going to believe because they live the lifestyle they preach. You're going to go to a personal trainer that's bigger than you are, fatter than you are. You're going to go to a personal trainer that looks like they're in great shape. Um, so... For the, for the past two years in Glasgow, Scotland, world leaders have gathered at the COP26 on uh, climate change conference. And uh, so this is a story that was written um, in 2021. So this goes back even a little further. And it chronicles 1972, UN environmental protection boss warns we have 10 years to stop the catastrophe. That was 1972. Um, 1982, an environmental catastrophe as irreversible as any nuclear holocaust. 1989, global disaster nations wipe off the face of the earth with crop failures. 1990, um, we must fix the climate change before 1995. We shall win or lose the climate struggle in the first years of the 90s. These are all headlines. Um, Now the Pentagon tells Bush, climate change will destroy us. Uh, 2007, if there is no action before 2012, it's going to be too late. So it's always going to be too late. Five years, 10 years, seven years, and we've seen that the the planet is a remarkable place. Now, that being said, I am not obviously a climate activist. I am not someone that buys into the man-made global warming. I don't think that people are the problem. I think people are the solution. I think that the climate does change. I'm not denying that the climate changes. My problem is it's not the industrialization of the world that is the problem. It's not remaking the world's economy that we have to plant trees all over the world to fix this, that we have to have carbon credits and taxes, and we're going to tax rich nations and give the money to poor nations to fix this problem. We should be good stewards of the land around us. We should be looking around us at how beautiful where we live is. For the people that are visiting Arizona, I will tell you this, take a drive out of the valley. Go north, get north on the 17, take uh, take the B-Line Highway north into Payson and then go up closer to the White Mountains, go up to the Christopher Creek area. Go and travel around Arizona in some of the places that are outside of the valley. go to Sedona if you can it's going to be busy, 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 but go up the other way, go all the way up to Flagstaff and then come down through Sedona that way and look at the beauty we have here, what our forests have to offer. I want this place to be as pristine and beautiful as it can be forever, and I want to be a part of keeping it that way. I am not someone that turns as my i don 't turn my nose up at environmentalism, but I've been watching these predictions my entire life and every single one of them says we are doomed in a few short years we are doomed in a few short years and they've never been right they've never been right we aren't doomed we're still here florida still has the same beaches it had we just had a major hurricane in my hometown hurricane ian pummeled fort myers florida it is a disaster area beaches still the same place so I, I just I, I don't want the scare tactics. I want people to be uh, conscious of the what the surroundings are without being paranoid. School vouchers gaining momentum across the country. We're going to talk about this coming up in just a moment as well. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broom Head Show, KTAR News 923 FM, and the KTAR News app one of the uh, funniest videos Phil Collins ever did what a great song this was do um, you remember this video Jeff I do I, I remember that he and Philip Bailey from Earth Wind and Fire right yeah and he uh, they both stood in suits and yeah singing in a well, don't, but don't you remember the part in the video where he was trying to teach Phil Collins how to dance oh that's right it was hilarious yeah, that's right yeah it was hilarious. Anyway, uh, another walk down memory lane. School vouchers gain momentum throughout the country. States are look at learning options. I think this is a good thing. I still think it's a good thing for Arizona and the rest of the country, and we were on the kind of the cutting edge of this. But here's good news in education in Arizona, and it goes out to the um, to the Buckeye Elementary School District, um, the BESD. Uh, after an annual Arizona Academic Standards Assessment came around, the Buckeye School District was pleased to find out that it had 26 seven students in grades three through eight that scored perfectly on the assessment test with changes that were made to the curriculum in recent school years BESD has now transformed the way these children are being educated and setting them up for a brighter future now again I don't care what politics we have you know where I stand this is great news my Grandkids live in Buckeye, and they're all in elementary school age or close to it. Some are too young yet, but the ones that are in school are in elementary school. Uh, That is truly at the core of who we are. Said the executive director of the pro- uh, for the Project Momentum for BESD, I came from an immigrant family where that was the idea of the American dream. So we wanted to be able to afford our kids those same opportunities that come with, you know, being successful as we go. Uh, but those foundational pieces are incredibly important and we can't lose track of that. Right. That's a quote from the executive director of this program. Um And I just look at this and I think that's as much as we're going to say that we have a long way to go and we absolutely do in the Arizona school system. When you see success happening somewhere, every school district in Arizona should be reaching out right now to Buckeye and asking them, what are you doing? What are you doing differently? What is this program? It might not be right for everyone. Nothing is 100%. But when you see success, when we see some of these schools like the basis schools and others and how successful they are, the knock has always been, well, they handpick their people and and they take only the most talented. And you knock down the success of somebody else as if somehow um, it wouldn't work for you, too. Well, this is a public school district and a growing area. As a matter of fact, for a time, the town of Buckeye was the fastest growing town in America for a while. So they are growing by leaps and bounds. I don't know the entire situation in Buckeye, but I will say when you have good news like this, isn't it worth looking at? When you see that kids, these are elementary school kids, grades three through eight, that they are performing on assessment tests. Isn't this what we've all been looking for? Isn't this what we all are looking for i'm i'm definitely going to reach out and ask them in buckeye what they're doing um you the chandler unified school district uh, chandler unified board ponders limits on cash reserve withdrawals um one of the ongoing series that's happening here uh, and a great job in investigative reporting being done by griselda satino here at ktar news is about um, chronic absenteeism in our schools, why it's happening and what they're trying to do about it. It's an on, and if you want to go read some great stuff on this topic, because it affects all of us, whether you have kids in school or not, really doing a good job looking into this over at ktar.com. Um, Arizona Governor Hobbs launching a task force on educator retention and accepting applications. Now, um, I am not in the in the game of just bashing people for no reason, and I'm not bashing here at all. But we understand a lot of the problems with absenteeism, and I'm glad they're trying to address it if it's done in a in a comprehensive way. Money, yes, but how about teachers that won't don't want to teach politics in the classroom anymore? That they don't want to teach outside of whatever their core. I hope this all becomes part of this study that it's made public for people because in the end we have differing opinions, and there are a lot of people that reach out to me um, that have a completely different opinion than I do about education, but I don't ever believe that they don't care as much as I do, because I think they do. We all want the same thing. We want to give our children a basic, and I mean as a community, our children, an education that allows them to learn for the rest of their lives, period, period. And that's what the goal should be from all of us. So uh, uh, congratulations to Buckeye School District, the elementary school district, on their success. Coming up just after 11, we're going to talk about the economy. The highest number of Americans in 40 years saying they're worst off financially. We'll talk about it next.